You're listening to the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bluen. Oh yeah, flip it, flip the airplane mode. If you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you, I was in disguise. In disguise, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, cause I'm What's going on, everyone? Dana Blue in Southeast Asia Business Podcast here at EFM, the one and only podcast network for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. With me today in the studio, I've got Katrina Rasa Chan. She is the director of Kubo, right? You got it. I got yes, it right first time. Right. I was calling it QBO, then Kubo, but it's Kubo. It's Kubo. It stands for the Baha'i Kubo, which is a sort of iconic house structure that we have here in the Philippines. Okay. Understood. Mm-hmm. But you guys, so it's Kubo Innovation Hub. Kubo Innovation Hub, yes. And I'll let you explain what that is because it's a mouthful and I know you'll get it right and I won't. All right, Dana. So, well, Kubo Innovation Hub is basically, well, it's an innovation hub. It's a platform for startups. So it's actually Mm. the Philippines' first and only public-private partnership initiative. So it's a kind of collaboration between the private sector and the government to Mm. support startups here in the Philippines. And there is a physical space and a Kubo, a Baha'i Kubo in that space where startups can work. But apart from that, it's also it also kind of stands for all sorts of programs and services that we provide for startups. So I know you, you also said you're the founder of Cubo, right? Or one of the founders? Yes. Well, I helped start it. I, I can't say that, you know, any real sort of government, private platform initiative could have a founder. But I did start Cubo. Okay. Like when it was still sort of an idea and I've seen it sort of build up to what we have now. So, so how, do you, how do you start something that's a private-public partnership? So I was with um, Ideaspace, which is the Philippines sort of YC. It's an accelerator program. Yeah. And I was their head of growth. Essentially, we were looking at, you know, how do you, how do you grow something like this in terms yeah. of making it scale to the whole country? And, well, the, I guess one of the obvious answers was to get the government involved. So... My job there was to kind of bring together a lot of our partners behind this idea. So what we ended up with was Idea Space, a sort of a expert on the startup side, right, and the acceleration side. Mm. We were working with the Department of Science and Technology and the Department of Trade and Industry on from the government side, yep. and then J.P. Morgan sort of rounded out our founding partners. So. How do you start something like this? Well, I guess you kind of start out with an idea. You get a bunch of people behind that idea, like a shared vision, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, that's kind of what we're why we're named Kubo. There's a there's a term in the Philippines. I don't know how to translate it, but it's bayanihan, and it's really about like people working together and carrying this sort of hot structure. And it it also kind of translates to building up a country, right? Okay. So. The whole sort of origin story behind Kubo has a lot to do with collaboration, like not any one of our entities being able to go at it alone, but together being able to create something that's really interesting, in in my view. They're all one of the the different building blocks that make it up. Exactly. So how, how long has Kubo been around? So we got all of the partners together around August of 2016. Okay. And then, of course, we had to like spruce up the HQ and do a bunch of things, right? So we had a kickoff with a Q. Mm. We do a lot of coupons. Um, a lot of coupons. Yeah. yeah. In April of 2017. So we've been kind of up and running for about a year now. Okay. Just over. Now, what, what do you think 
now just a year, right? So it's it's tough to really judge success or judge like direction at this point. But, mm-hmm. but what do you see is like your early successes as part of the innovation hub? Well, I'm very glad to say that we've already been recognized for a couple of awards. So the ASEAN Rice Bowl, which was kind of hosted in, by the Malaysians, or so we were recognized as sort of the best accelerator program in the Philippines in our yeah. first year. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in terms of startups, right? So, you know, I think over 15,000 people now have participated in at least one sort of Cuba program, just mm-hmm. over 200 startups that have already, you know, received some kind of like assistance or support from the team, right? Yeah. So, you know, definitely going in the right direction. You've also been coming up with like, you know, a lot of reports, you know, things like that, right? Like. Mm. I want to say we're probably the most active startup ecosystem type enabler organization here in the Philippines. So any day of the week you go into Kubo, there's like something going on that's either there to support startups or, you know, like startups just getting together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So we're also trying things out ourselves, right? In a way we're we're a startup and we're validating what works and what doesn't. But, you know, we, we keep going at it and, you know, we'll see what sticks, right? Now, with, with that, like you said, you guys are a startup, but at the same time, like you said, you're also a government, you know, public entity, right? There is, that, yeah, that's that, like that's sort of a contradiction in a way, but also, yeah. but it's true. I mean, I think we act and operate like a startup. We're very much, I think a big reason why we exist also is because startups can relate to us and, you know, we're, it's not like the government that's sort of far away and you know difficult to reach, right? It's but, kind of that public face of the government. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just the government, right? It's also driven by like these sort of corporate entities that we also want to work with us and yeah. the startup founders themselves that are very much part of our community. So at the end of the day then, who are you accountable to as Kubo? Who are we accountable to as Kubo? Well. I think the government hat of that means it's the people, right? It's the Philippines. But, you know, the way I see it, our customer is the startup, right? Mm. Our big goal is for Filipino startups to change the world. That's like super cheesy and ambitious, right? It is but, very cheesy and ambitious, but um, we'll, we'll let you get away with it just once. Thank you. I appreciate that. But <laughs> yeah, so, but really everything that we're doing is working towards that goal, right? Like when we, when people think of the Philippines, mm. I mean, it's always awesome beaches and, you know, maybe dried mangoes or something, right? But it's not necessarily like innovations or startups. We Mm -hmm. don't really quite have those types of companies that are, you know, like the very famous unicorns and things like that yet, right? Not not yet. And by the same token, like you said, you want, you know, Filipino companies to change the world, Mm -hmm. right? But do you you envision the, the mission of Kubo is to bring Filipino companies outside the Philippines to the rest of the world? Or are you guys focusing more internally, kind of like how we see Indonesia do, you know, where you guys have a big population, they have a big population, you know, and actually you guys are about half there, but it's still still huge. It's still substantial, yes. To the rest of the world, you guys are about 120 million. That's right. And so you could technically support probably a unicorn internally in the Philippines, so do you guys have that vision or do you have the vision of bringing these startups, these Filipino startups to, you know, disrupt the valley or to disrupt the rest of the world? Well, how do I say this? I think it's, it's not, I mean, 
are the way we see it is it's a bit of both, but it's really more about creating like our role as Kubo, right? Is to mm-hmm. create that enabling environment where such a startup could succeed, right? So mm-hmm. we we can't dictate where our founders want to go, whether you know their product or their vision makes more sense for yeah. you know a regional or global play versus you know really kind of going deep into the Philippine market. That's mm-hmm. not our role, right? But what we need to do at Kubo, the, what we're, where we see ourselves adding value is really making sure that, you know, whatever your vision is as a Filipino founder, even like any other startup that wants to kind of set up in the Philippines, right, yeah. that there is that sort of ecosystem in place, right, that would allow you to grow a company and like mm. be successful. And I think, again, and it's not just going out too, it's also inward. I think really great startup ecosystems you know, encourage this kind of like exchange, right? Among people, like talent, ideas, all sorts of things, right? So making the Philippines a destination where innovation and startups can flourish is something that I think is, you know, something we can do something about as Google. Well, when you say destinations, then it Mm kind of gives the impression that you want to attract founders to the Philippines. I mean, why not, right? Like, why not? Because they can't own their company here. <laughs> no, I mean that's true, right? There's you guys have I think there are certain industries, yes, where I believe the current um state of regulation doesn't allow for, you know, for foreign, foreign ownership. Comp- for foreign ownership, yes. In Filipino companies. Yeah. Yes. But so, that doesn't prohibit foreign actors from, you know, still being able to operate to, to here. To do business here, but if you yes. want to be a destination for founders, there may be some regulatory hurdles that need to be hurdled, jumped. This is true. Cleared. And I think, again, um, a lot of it is also being able to have that conversation. I Mm. think we're really well positioned to be able to, you know, we speak both to the founders and to some of the, Mm. you know, powers that be, right? And hopefully, like, you know, we can use our voice to help influence some of these, Mm. you know, regulations and things moving forward. Yeah, because when you, like like you said, when you say destination, I think of being able to attract talent to to your country, right? And I think that's where we see countries like Thailand fail in that it's very difficult for a foreigner to own a company or to operate a company. We see that in Indonesia as well. Um, we actually, I had um, Anthony Engel on the show and he was talking about two years it took him to start his company legitimately in Indonesia simply because the red tape and the bureaucracy then you look at countries like uh, Malaysia and Singapore, where, where they're very open. Yeah, I could show up. I could show up at lunchtime in KL and have a business registered and ready to go by the end of the day. Same in Singapore. And uh, one of the things I, I thought was really interesting outside of Asia, but I met uh, the director of startup Chile in uh, mm. at GEC. Yes. Um, not director. She's chief. Um, Chief innovation, or chief operating officer, or chief innovation officer, um, Sophia, and I met her at GEC, and she was talking about how Chile wants to invite everyone from around the world to come to Chile and and be part of startup Chile. And I know all of these countries had Malaysia had hurdles they had to clear right. to get to the point where they could be a destination for entrepreneurs. You know, and like I, I see the opportunity that the Philippines has because you have a lot of the same the tourism angle as the, well, the, the, tourism the angle, talent, but, but also right. English is is a primary language. We see that in Malaysia and we see that in Singapore. Uh, but the difference is they all have they both have an official language as something else from English. English just happens to be their 
their, their lingua franca. Yeah, their, their business language. And so you guys are close, but not quite there yet, right? Well, I mean, I think that's the whole point behind the inception of Kubo, right? Is to try to, you know, deliberately and to signal that we are going in that direction. Mm. So actually you mentioned practically all of the countries that sort of almost inspired the whole Kubo idea, right? Mm. So Startup Chile was one. So the founder of Startup Chile actually came to the Philippines for, in 2015 actually, for Slingshot, which is the government's largest sort of innovation conference. And then he was talking about, you know, all of the success that he enjoyed when or that Chile enjoyed when they opened up their borders and started yeah. letting like founders in from everywhere, right? Um, and in that same sort of gathering, we had Magic, we had yeah. um, Block 71 from Singapore, yeah. and then of course guys from Silicon Valley and Stanford, right? Which is probably, and I think these um, different programs represent a different approach to how you build a startup ecosystem, whether it's kind of all privately driven, like mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley versus Maybe, you know, you go to the other end of the spectrum with Startup Chile where it's like very um, all government kind of run, right? Yeah. Um, so, and I think it's, a, it's actually an amalgamation of these ideas and also kind of localizing it to what makes sense in the Filipino context that mm. brought Kubo about. Well, I think that's important too is that you said the Filipino context, right? So you have to do it in a way that's right for the Philippines. Right for right for the Philippines and the way kind of the system, quote unquote, works here, but yeah. also the founders, the culture, right? And all of these factors that make it uniquely our own sort of... For sure. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things that uh, Tanchi Erwan has said in the past, he's the founder of Magic, mm -hmm. was that, you know, Malaysia has to create a system for Malaysia within the Asian context. Absolutely. They can't try to replicate uh, Silicon replicate Valley. Replicate Silicon Valley. Yeah, like, that's, that's something people like to say a lot, like we're going to recreate the magic yeah. of Silicon Valley. Right? You know, I hear that in Thailand a lot. People say, oh, we've got Science Park. It's like where we're going to put our Silicon Valley or we've got this at... And you, know, you can't force something unorganically to, to replicate something that works in an American system when nothing in Asia, it might seem American on the surface, but you scratch, <laughs> you scratch at it's it a little bit. It's superficial, right? Yeah, it is. You scratch a little bit and the sheen goes away. You're like, oh, that's not American. That's something much more uniquely Asian and more I mean, interesting. A lot of Filipinos, like, you know, eat burgers and speak with an American accent. Carry guns. Right? Mm, not so much, <laughs> but I mean... I think you could, if you if you walk around the streets of Manila, it's very, there a lot of it is quite, you might say, westernized. Right? On my walk from my hotel this morning to here, which is about 300 meters, mm -hmm. I, I passed at least five guys with shotguns standing in front of, uh, <laughs> in front of no, I mean, I, not, not in a negative way. I know that's a security and everything like that. It's not, they, they weren't random, random dudes. Yeah, maybe they don't even know how to use the guns. They, <laughs> not like they were standing at the ready. One guy was resting on it. But yeah, I, I thought that was crazy when I first arrived here. My hotel is a sign like, please turn in your firearm to security. I was like, wow, it's like I'm in Texas or something. You would think that, but I don't actually think there's a big gun culture in the Philippines, like private people yeah. owning guns or growing up like hunting and things like that. But yeah. We had a founder in here earlier who was saying that like 10, 15 years ago it was much bigger, much more prominent. 
than it is today. That might be right. I mean, I don't think it's quite popular, especially with the millennials and things yeah. like that. I think the sort of social norms around it are, have changed a bit. And it's the same with other, a lot of things, right? Where because the Philippines is such a young population, mm. like, you know, the culture really, and millennials have grown up, right, with the sort of digital ex global yeah. exposure, right? It's yeah. Like, Culture's changing very quickly. They're like, like as owning a guns. Ain't no one got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. people are woke, right? They're, like, they're woke, so woke, bro. So woke. You know, I have this vision in my head now, though. I, I just want to see like a Filipino guy with like a cowboy hat and like a <laughs> denim jacket and like a revolver like on a his hip. <laughs> no holster or something yeah. and boots. And yeah, cowboy boots. Cowboy boots spurs. In, in this weather, right? Yeah, in this weather. <laughs> 40 degrees C, 100% humidity. Actually, it's not as humid here as Bangkok. It's pretty nice. I mean, I think you lucked out with the week too. It could get pretty humid. Get it? Mm-hmm. It was brutal when I left Bangkok and I got here. I was like, usually I don't arrive somewhere and like, oh, it's nice. Oh, wow. It's nice and dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you weren't expecting that. I was not. You guys surprised me. But you know, I, I'm to getting off track with the, the gun thing. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> As fun Let's as circle it back, is, yes. but if you know a Filipino guy that wears a cowboy hat, has I'll, boots, let I'll me know. let you know. Yes. At least send me a picture. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but when we talk about, like, you, you talk about how Cuba was inspired by magic, startup Chile. You know, do you do you also look at, like I said, Thailand or Indonesia and see the issues they face because they're not open? And you guys are kind of in the middle. And I get the sense from everyone I talk to that. You're kind of leaning more in the magic and Chile and Singapore side, you know, as time goes on. Mm -hmm. But I mean, do you see like Thailand or Indonesia as a cautionary tale in that regard? I I don't like to think of it that way. I do want to be able to sort of leapfrog some of the mistakes, maybe, if mm. you could call them that. Yeah. I do see that it's. You know, I think there are always sort of two tracks, right? Like you could decide to kind of hyper-localize and mm. look inward or kind of, you know, open up and try to see like how you could work with others and what's outside. Now, and you guys I could think go either way and we be could successful. Go, I, I, I could say that, again, maybe for others, it makes more sense to kind mm. of look inward, right? Mm. But in general, I also feel like in terms of opportunity, like... The, uh, the Philippines is also in between, right? Maybe huh. it's not quite big enough to be, you know, a story on on its own the way China would be or even oh, yeah, Indonesia. Right? No, no, right? One can re I, no one can replicate China, mm -hmm. right? I mean, just... So it's not an India. It's not a Brazil. It's yeah. not a China, right? But, but it could be an Indonesia. Indonesia's got four unicorns. Right. Yeah. So... I think, but I, I think it's, again, it's also a bit of a culture thing. You know, the Philippines has always been, you know, for good and bad reasons, mm. like both like um, sort of a melting pot of different cultures and a mm. bit different from its neighbors, but also, you know, the Philippine diaspora is huge, right? Yeah. Like Filipinos, are, you can find like a Filipino bro, like, you know, anywhere around the world. Anywhere and around the world. There's a sort of almost tendency that, you know, Filipinos like to blend in and kind of mix with whoever they are. And I think, you know, that's part of how our culture is also, where yeah. we're naturally receptive to a lot of ideas. So I think, you know, for certain founders, it might make sense to really kind of go deep and attack the Philippine market. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely opportunity and problems to be solved. Absolutely. Right? And I think the bigger the bigger the problems are, right? Mm. And the the more you understand it and the more you're part of it, the bigger the opportunity also to succeed and really unlock that For key sure. insight. For yeah. sure. 
I, like I said, I think Philippines are in a unique position. We could go either way. Mm-hmm. We could do both too. I mean, you could have founders that focus domestically and could be I would huge. love to do both. I mean, just to kind of follow up on your point earlier about being a destination, right? Mm. I think it has to be a good place for Filipino founders to succeed. I mean, it's not it's not just about kind of marketing it to the startup tourists or what yeah. have you, right? It's both. It's really having our guys like in in the Philippines have the mm. opportunity to make it whether it's locally or if their aspirations are to go to outside markets. Yeah. And, you know, again, the other way around also where it is friendly enough for people to come in and, you know, have that sort of exchange, right? So, yeah. And I wasn't thinking about, like, startup tourism. I was more talking mm-hmm. about, like, you know, attracting people, like, because no one wants dudes with elephant pants and seashell necklaces, right? <laughs> you know the type. No, I mean, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you want people who want to, like, legitimately take a stake in running a business in the Philippines and, yes, and that makes be part of the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, like I think, you know, talent is a borderless thing, right? It should like, be. It, yeah, should if you be. have if you have good ideas and you have something to offer, right? I think, you know, I would love for the Philippines for be, to be a place that you would consider, yeah. right? To and if you have elephant pants and, and a seashell necklace, go to Chiang Mai or go to Bali. <laughs> Don't come here. <laughs> They're welcome to. Right? No, I'm joking. <laughs> but you know, from the perspective of like what you guys have to offer as well, Manila seems to really be, be blowing up. And everyone's talked about like the last 10 years just being huge. I mean, so right before we started, I was telling you that I actually moved back here from the U.S. And that was a huge reason why, like, it wasn't necessary. I mean, the traffic here is incredibly bad just because I don't think the infrastructure has kept up with the growth of the city. Well, how can it when you grow so quick? But you know, it was, it wasn't just like conceptually, I knew that the Philippines was, you know, experiencing record breaking growth. It Mm. was, I could see it and I could feel it. And Mm. like, I could, you know, it was very palpable, right? How much like the city and the country really was growing from an economic perspective and just like the opportunities that were available here. so. So which is worse traffic in Manila or winter in Pittsburgh? (laughs) I hate to say it, but it's traffic in Manila. Oh, but yeah. Pittsburgh winters are brutal. Schittsburg winters. <laughs> Schittsburg winters. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing with winter, though. Like, I think there are it a, ends, a right? few <laughs> very bad days. But, yeah. I mean, and, you know, you get your friends to shovel your car out of the snow, <laughs> right? But for the most part, you're fine. Like, I think the traffic in Manila, I mean, it's... It's a daily like kind grind. of grind. Yeah. Winter ends. Winter ends. And then it right. comes back. But winter is coming, yeah. and, but then winter ends, right? Um, Traffic right now, there's no end in sight. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's tra- I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's like, you know, you go, you, you go have a late night and you think maybe, oh, the streets have cleared up, but yeah. no, right? So <laughs> no. again, it's still buzzing any time of day. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is interesting that you said like the infrastructure hasn't kept up, but really how can it? Right when when the maybe it's an unrealistic expectation. Well, I, a... <laughs> I think no one's really cracked that nut yet. That's you know because we see the same thing in Bangkok. The infrastructure hasn't really kept up. They're working now to expand like the public transit and the train, but traffic's brutal. Yangon, we see the same thing. Jakarta, absolutely. KL, anywhere you go, the infrastructure is very difficult to keep up when you have this type the of rap, growth. The the rate of growth yeah. is so. I mean that's understandable, but I think anyone who's coming to Asia to do business kind of understands that aspect that, look, these are ancient cities for the most part, right? I mean, there's 
you know, New York's a baby by by those standards. San Francisco, even younger. Absolutely. So, San Francisco is a very young city, and look how crappy that was designed. <laughs> so, you kind of have to keep that in mind. But infrastructure-wise, you know, there's always going to be room for improvement. But organically, what I've seen from well, at least what I've heard from some of the stars here in Manila is that, you know, the communities are really coming together and creating even more opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, and it's very much a part of our ethos at Kubo that I mentioned earlier, right, where it's a, it's a very collaborative ecosystem. It's mm. not actually, I wouldn't even describe it as like cutthroat or competitive. I think at this point in time, everyone thinks that, you know, there's so much more room to grow, right? To grow mm. the whole pie, so to speak, mm. right? Where that, and there's still so much market to be captured, right? And opportunities sure, yeah. that aren't tapped that, you know, for the most part, I think a lot of our startups are, you know, working together and not just the startups, right? The entire mm. sort of community that kind of surrounds it, right? Whether it's a sort of suppliers and customers and investors, it's, yeah, it's a, it's quite a different spirit, I guess, than from maybe what I've seen in other cities, to be honest. Yeah. Now, with, with Cuba, what does the process look like for someone who comes in? I know you said, did you say 15,000 people have been through a Cubo program in of one way or the sort, other? Of some sort, yes. And even though that's like a one-day workshop or, yes, or whatever. Yes, that's right. That includes that stuff, too. Yeah. No, no, I mean, but fair enough, though. I mean, that's still adding to the community. Absolutely. But what is the, the like, if someone comes in as a founder, what does that process look like? to go through the whole Cubo ecosystem in that way. Right. I, I mean, so the process would be different if you were there as a, we call them sort of explorers, right? Um, mm. If you're just checking out what the ecosystem is or, you know, figuring out the jargon, right? Mm. So that would be, you know, a quick sign up online or, you know, yeah. go through. But for founders, we actually really take the time to get to know them. So mm. if you sign up as a founder, you, you know, go through basically someone in the team will talk to you for at least an hour to figure out what your story is, like what what you need, where you're at, right? Um, if you like long walks on the beach. <laughs> it, I wish you could do that, actually. I'd, I would love to have a Kubo outpost by the beach. Um, <laughs> sometimes you do it over like the online kind of chat yeah, too, right? Like but, a Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> but, and after that, you're officially part of the community. You're a cutie. Q-muni, yeah, yeah, you're a cutie. And, oh, those coupons, mm-hmm, huh? A lot of coupons. It, it works, though. It sticks with the, yeah. with the kids, I guess. So The kids these the days. Kids these days. And, yeah, and after that, um, you know, you, get, you become part of this network of, you know, and you get invited to a lot of the, you know, depending on with what assessment or what the initial interview shows, mm. then, you know, that could mean, you know, being able to get one-on-one consultations with their experts mm. or, you know, being able to participate in some of our kind of exchange programs when we send people to outside the Philippines, right? So I guess it really depends on what stage you're at as a startup and Mm. what interventions you need. But we really do work with a lot of the founders. So there's no set path. There's no set path. You know, we, we say it's of all of our programs and in particular incubation program, which is probably Mm. our most high touch long-term one, um, is, all very bespoke. So how how long-term would the incubation program be? So it could be anywhere. I mean, the shortest incubation period would be like three months, and Mm. it could go all the way to 18 months. Okay. 
And what is the the exchange on the the part of the startup? Are they giving equity to Cubo or no? So everything that we do for startups is for free, including our co working space and our Q fee and um, Q fee. (laughs) No, I get it. But everything for the startups is free because again, the idea is really to encourage more startups to make sure like they don't have any more excuses or it's a bit more frictionless. Mm. Like they're the guys we're trying to help. When you asked earlier who our customer was or who we answered to, it's really for the startups, right? I can't say the same for our institutional partners, right? Like someone has to foot the bill and, you know, there are a few things that, but no, we don't take equity in any of the startups that work with us. So it's it's completely a win-win for them. I would like to think so, yeah. So yeah. sign up, no excuses. Okay. No excuses, guys. If you have a startup out there, why are you not at Cubo if you're in the Philippines? Damn it. <laughs> now, what about, with that, with that in mind, too, do you guys have like an uh, investor network or anything like that that you help them tap into? Absolutely. So, again, we don't invest for equity directly, but yeah. we do work with, you know, a very a, a substantial network. I think the Philippine community is still relatively small, right? So. Yeah we're in one shape or form connected with most of the angel investor groups, like, you mm. know, the institutional investors and even the corporate players, right? So, um, and of course, the a lot of the foreign VCs are that are also looking at Southeast Asia, right? So is it easy for a foreign VC to come in here, work with Cubo, get some money into companies that are coming through that pipeline? Absolutely. So we do offer programs for corporates, institutional investors. One of them is called Showcase with a Q. Mm. And that's literally, I know, right? Just, we don't run out of this. I could keep going. You got to go for days. mm, So, but basically what that is, is we will, you know, if you're, I mean, the big challenge with the Philippines or I mean, literally any archipelago almost, right, is, you know, Mm. finding where these guys are out of the 7,000 islands, right? So, you know, a big part of what we do is also because we take the time to interview and talk to everyone, right, Mm. like we will source startups or help you build a pipeline if you have specific, you know, a specific stage or bite size or industry that you're looking at, we will, you know, kind of put a bunch of startups in a room together with investors and make sure there's like a relevant fit there, right? So a lot of matchmaking, you could say also. A lot of ma- you kind of like the Tinder of the, the Tinder startup of, investor world? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to think that we do, we kind of go beyond a lot of just a lot of first dates, okay. right? But You're more you know, of the OkCupid okay of the... Maybe, uh, yeah. Like, you know, we have that... Um, it's a bit more involved the way we do the matchmaking. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it's a great analogy. The OKCupid of the Filipino investor startup world. Or at least we'd like to help out in that regard, right? Mm. So So now I know you said 15,000 people, like since you started going through some program or another, but how many many startups have come through the incubation program? So the incubation program, we're really limiting that to just 15 to 20 in a year. And right now we only have like 10 in the program. So that's like the most elite service, I guess. You're being very selective with that. Absolutely. What are the qualifications for a company to become part of that program? Like, what what are you guys looking for? There, I mean, there's no black and white qualification, right? But really, again, it kind of ties back to that vision of changing the world, right? Mm. So, and what does that mean? I think that means that, you know, it's really a product that has the potential to scale, to create an impact that solves a big problem, Mm. right? And, you know, we're also looking for founders that can do it in a, 
in a Filipino way, I guess. I don't know if yeah, that it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's the Filipino way to do it? I'm you know, Kira, I want to dive into that. So I think one, it, it's again having to do with a problem that I think Filipi- of someone in the Philippines or from this context has, you know, the, the insight to be able to solve, right? And I mm. think there are a lot of more places in the world maybe that look like, you know, Manila, right? Then mm. I don't know, Palo Alto. So, yeah. um, so in that sense, I think that's one, right? Like looking at problems that are important and real, if that mm. makes sense. Um, you know. Wanting to give back, I think, is something that we sort of, it's not explicit in the criteria, but it's something that we look for in founders, right? So Mm. I think we're still in the foundational stages of building an ecosystem here. And a a big thing that I envy in a lot of other places is that there's so much more maturity among the founders in terms of them not being first-time founders. So when I look for startups that we want to support in this incubation program, I think, you know, we're looking for guys that are one a bit maybe underserved in the sense that they don't already have like the rich tita, the rich uncle or something yeah. that's you know in the top 20 families in the Philippines but also that there's that desire to give back to the community eventually or right like also serve as mentors if they do become successful. Yeah. So that's uh, that's also another aspect I think that we look at. And of course, you know, in general, if it's a good business, right? Like whether the team has the ability to execute, key, right? Yeah. right? Like, you know, all these things. So I think it's, you know, whether this can be a unicorn, this can be a game-changing company, but also, you know, there's some heart behind it as well. Some, some aspect of paying it forward. Absolutely. Nice. And so over the, now we've talked about some of like the big growth that's happened in the past. Cubo sees itself, I'm sure, being a major player in growth going forward. In the of course, we wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Yeah. Right? So wh- where do you think the biggest growth opportunities in the Philippines are? I mean, or not honest, in the Philippines, but for Filipino companies. For Philippines. There's, again, there's, we're so early in this process that mm. I think in every aspect, there's still so much room to grow, right? Yeah. Like, I think we haven't even come close to reaching the number of, you know, startup companies that are even kind of sprouting up. And at some mm. level, it is a numbers game. Yeah, right? for sure it is. So, and, and in terms of industries, again, I see so much opportunity in, you know, anything that has to do with like emerging markets and growth. Mm. And that involves things like, I don't know, traffic, right? Like logistics and, you know, moving things around, e-commerce, fintech, Mm. you know, like we have one of the largest remittance corridors here. And I know you were just talking to Miko, right? Like, and all things around that, like how people buy things, pay each other, right? Mm. And then I guess moving closer to like personal things, like you're looking at, education, right? Like so many kids and how they get to learn, Mm. how they get to like kind of develop. Um, You're also looking at health, right? Um, Mm. Making sure that people have access to some of these basic services that, and these are things that you care more and more about as your population kind of goes up economically, right? As Mm. more jobs become available, as you know, so many kids come of age, right? So again, I think in practically every vertical like i see tremendous opportunities for growth i honestly i mean if i were to be completely honest about it i don't think maybe our r&d at this point in time is ripe enough for us to be working on i don't know like 
rocket science and things like that. But when it mm. comes to products that are affecting like, you know, your day-to-day -day life, right? Whether it's food or education or, you know, ads you see on like your mobile phone, I yeah. think that's really where a lot of the big opportunities lie, not just in the Philippines, but for really this region. It starts there and just grows, right? Mm -hmm. Kat, that's awesome. I want to thank you for taking the time to come and talk to me today, talking about Cuba. Thank you so much, Dana, for about, having me. Talking about how great the winters are in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, welcome to the Philippines. <laughs> thank Enjoy you. the fantastic weather and the sun. Right? Uh, so far, it's been great, and I love it. Do me a favor, before we go, let uh, the listeners know where they can find more about Kubo. So you can find more about Kubo at www.qbo.com.ph. Yeah. And of course, you can find us on all of the typical social media channels, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. all these things, slash QBO Philippines. Okay. And give me, give me one last Q pun before we go. So we have the Kubo QNet app, another way you can reach us, by the way. And it's a virtual hub, an amazing place for you to connect with Filipino founders, mentors, what have you, all like in the digital sphere. So there you, find, you go. You find that on uh, iTunes or yes, App both, Store? Yes, it's available both for the App Store and Google Play. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, check it out. If you're in the Philippines, you're a startup. Maybe you want to reach out to Kubo, see what they have going on. I mean, growth and opportunity is always a positive thing, and it seems to be in abundance at Kubo, almost as abundant as their coupons. So the links will be down in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. And until next time, stay on that grind. This is the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bloom. Oh, yeah. If you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you, I was in disguise. In disguise, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, cause I'm trying to build an enterprise. Airplane mode.